Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Good morning, everyone. Oh, that was so good. Did you see how many kids we had this morning? Wow, we need a bigger room, Helena, don't we? We're working on it, folks. We're working on it. We've got a plan. It's just not quite there yet. Hey, uh, some of you may have already noticed, but um, right at the back this morning on the big table, there are lots of books available. And uh, Sarah and I had a bit of a clear out the other day, and we were going to put them up on uh, eBay. And we decided, no, there's lots of lovely people here. You can just take them for free. So on your way out, uh, make sure you get the, the really good ones. Dash. I mean, fight for it, literally. There are some really good ones there. So there's about 20 or so books this week. There'll be more next week and more the the week after. But we just want to bless you. Um, We've read them. We've got them in electronic form. Sometimes we've got duplicates, those kind of things. Just go and get them. And there's bound... We've tried to put a good selection up uh, so that's something for everyone. Is that all right? Are you sure? Push people out. Oh, that's all right. I've not finished yet. Um... I collected all my Bibles the other day. I've got Bibles about this high off the floor, okay? And I bet lots of us have, haven't we? But some people haven't got any Bibles or many Bibles at all. I've got a Bible here which is the New King James Version. It used to be the Bible I used for weddings and funerals. And it's in large print. Large, very large print, okay? Um, uh, Who would like it? Who would you would like it? There we go. This is large print. There you go. That will help you learn your English. Yes. Yeah. It 200. Yeah. That's good. That's great. I've got a Bible here called the Blokes Bible. Lit- the Blokes Bible. Anyone want? <laughs> Dan, you're a blokey bloke. Uh, who would like the Blokes Bible? Do, do you know? It isn't actually a Bible. It's got bits of the Bible in it. It probably would help you understand blokes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone want the bloke's Bible? Come on. Can you nominate someone? Gary. Where's Gary? Come on then, Gary. There. There you go. You've got that. Um, I think I've got a couple more. I've got a couple more. Oh, this is a pretty one. This is a pretty one. Okay. Um, This is the New International Version. It's, it's definitely not large print, okay? Teeny tiny print. Uh, but it's very pretty and very thick, isn't it? So who would like this? Who would like this? There we go. Star. There you go. Give Star a round of applause. There we go. You've got a pretty Bible. And I've got, I think I've just got one more today. I'll have more next week. This one. Oh, this is very specific. Uh, this is called the Biker Bible. It's got pictures of men on motorbikes all the way through it. And <laughs> men in leather. There we go. Only men are allowed to have this, though. Okay. You'd like that. Okay. There we go. Wonderful. There you go. There's the Biker Bible for Peter. Give Peter a round of applause. Oh, that's fantastic. That's better than eBay, isn't it? Yeah. Talking of eBay, <laughs> I ordered... Um, Feedback yesterday, I ordered a chicken uh, and an egg. I'll let you know. 
Um, so, I have a weakness. This is my weakness, okay? Particularly, though, the sour cream and... Yeah. Uh, anyone enjoy Pringles? This, this is empty. It's empty for a reason, because it's been near me, okay? But um, Pringles, I have a weakness for Pringles, and sometimes I'm known to, just as I'm out and about in the car, I'll buy a can of Pringles, and I've got to eat them quickly and get rid of the evidence before Sarah notices. Right, so you're driving along and you're eating your Pringles, and it all starts very easily, doesn't it? And there are any existing police in the house? It's my, I'm, anyway, I'm driving along, you're doing your stuff, and you, you know, and it all starts really, really nice and easily. Anyway, I was driving along Church Lane, coming along Church Lane to the traffic lights just here, where they meet Station Road and Oswald Road and the, the Howdens Hill, and and they went red, and I was down about two thirds. And I'm there, and it's on red at the moment, and I'm really trying to get this, you see. And then you have a problem, right? The lights, the lights were about to change, because you work it out, the lights are about to change, and I suddenly realize I'm stuck, right? I, I just can't get the, 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 my hand out, the, the Pringles, right? And I'm, I'm in the lane, I'm about to turn left onto Oswald Road, and at the side of me, there comes someone from the church, right? And waves. And it's just, it's a reaction, isn't it? You don't think. Sometimes your brain arrives just a little late. Like this. And I don't know what they were thinking. What happened, though, of course, was the last sort of quarter of Pringles and all the bits that you've mashed up, they all come falling out all of me. What a complete mess, you know. And then, and then of course, you're still stuck. So I'm now driving down Oswald Road like, like <laughs> this kind of... This is when you need a, you know, an automatic car. They have a lot to answer for, okay? It's very difficult to progress in your vehicle with your hand in a Pringle tin. All right? Hold that thought. I will leave it there. We are in a series at the moment called um, Walking the Walk Together. What's it called? Walking the Walk uh, And we've, we've sort of divided it down into four kind of elements. And those elements are uh, belong, believe, behave, and become. And it's not necessarily a process. I don't want you to think that. I'm, I'm not a complete believer in that this is a four-stage process that everyone who walks with Jesus goes through. But th there's certainly four elements to being able to walk this walk of faith together. And um, why are we doing this series? We're doing this series because there is, just generally in Christianity, a, a gap between what we say we believe and how we behave. Okay, who we say we belong to and actually whether we're on the journey of becoming more like the person we say we belong to. There's a, there's a gap there and we, we need to try and lessen that gap. And there is a, a lack of confidence in people to truly say that they belong to Jesus. Most people don't have a problem saying they belong to a church or they belong to a club or a society. But, but there's this unsurety about people saying that we belong to Jesus. So that's why we're doing this uh, series. And so far we've been on belong. A couple of things we learned from that. Uh, and that is we do belong to church. In fact, most of the New Testament is written to churches. 
It's written to people who are in local bodies of Christ about how they should get on with each other and how they should outwork this faith. And we also uh, know that we belong to Jesus in a complete sense. Uh, And of course, Jesus, when we read about him in, in the Gospels, he went around encouraging people to feel like they belonged in his presence way before he expected them to believe anything or behave differently. And you can read about the incidents. And when you read what's going on there, there's this this acceptance of Jesus that people who are really needing but don't know how to behave and they don't believe who he really is, and yet he welcomes them in his presence. In fact, he enters into their presence. And that's what we learned on week one. And I encouraged newcomers to understand that the first thing is, don't try and, don't try and first behave like other Christians. It's not going to work. And don't try and grapple with all the deep things you've got to believe. That's not the best place to start. The place to start is this. Jesus, I hardly know anything about you. But I know you love me. And I want to belong in that love. That's the best place to start. And then for us as church, it helps us understand that no matter how long we've been on this journey, whether it be a few months or a few decades, that actually the primary thing in our heart is not how clever we are. It's not how many things we believe. Neither is it that we've done 10,000 good deeds. It's not about our behavior. Our primary thing is that we belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. Everything else stems from that. So this sense of belonging is really important to us. And then we moved on and we talked about belief. And uh, I don't have time to summarize all that, but I suggested that there were three main things, fundamental things that we could believe in order then to set ourselves up for a successful walk in faith. And they might not be things that you would normally think of. They were things like that, believe that we need to believe something, was was the first thing. And the second thing was, believe that we are in lack. Because once you forget that you are in lack and that you are in need, then it's very difficult to accept Jesus fully as Lord and as Savior. And then we need to accept that Jesus is risen and he rules. We can accept that Jesus is risen and he rules. And everything else, if we give ourselves to understanding, as Dawn read from the scripture this morning, if we give ourselves to understanding, wisdom and knowledge can flow into that. So let's not try and get that all topsy-turvy. And now we're on week three. And week three is called Behave. What's it called? And some of you are now thinking, oh no, we came on week three. He's going to tell us how we should behave. Lock the door. No, I'm not. I'm not going to tell people how they should behave. The, the scripture does enough of that in the New Testament. In fact, it's very difficult to read much of the New Testament at all once you get past Acts and you get into Romans. Once you start reading it, it's actually all about how Ordinary people like you and I should make sure that what we believe and who we belong to ends up in corresponding behavior. And um, 
Most of the New Testament is about that. Sometimes it's encouraging people like in the book of Revelation just to keep with it against all the odds, against all the odds, against all the pressure, against all the turmoil, against all the tribulation, against all the persecution. Keep with it. Stand firm. And then other times, uh, Paul the Apostle gets down to the nitty-gritty and he encouraged people to do communion, breaking of bread in homes. And there were a few greedy people and they would drink all the wine and eat all the bread before the last latecomer had come. And he says, wait, what are you doing? You're behaving like numpties. Would Jesus do that? Okay, and he, and he gets down to the nitty-gritty. And the New Testament is full of stuff like that. It's actually very specific. And, and so we could take three, four years going over, okay, this is how the New Testament encourages us to behave. But then we have a problem in that there's been 2,000 years past since then and now. And we have to deal with lots of things they didn't have to deal with. And they were in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. They had lots of things to deal with that we didn't have to deal with. One of their biggest things is they were ruled by a man who, uh, who was supposed to be divine, called Caesar. He ruled most of the world that they were in there. And they were, they were having to battle as Christians, worshipping the Son of God, Jesus, who was divine, battling the whole world, world ideology that there was a man called Caesar who himself was divine and was the Son of God. We don't have that, do we? So it's very difficult for us to enter into their kind of behaviours and for these early Christians to enter into ours. Nevertheless... There are things that we can learn. And um, I'm basing this whole series around a, a little scripture in Colossians 1, verses 15 to 17. I am really not holding out much hope for this at all, but uh, you know what's coming. It was a rollover week this week. And uh, there are now two boxes of chocolates. Um, it, I don't know whether I can afford to roll over anymore next week. It may just stay. Colossians 1, 15 to 17. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Anyone learnt it? Anyone want to have a go? Huh? Angie? Well, they're saying your name. Have you learned it, Angie? Do you want to come and do it, Angie? I'm reading your face. Let someone, there is no one else, Angie. <laughs> Literally, you are it. I mean, uh, shall we ask Angie to, to give this a go? Give Angie a mic. Come on. Come on, Angie. Have we got a, from there, have you got a microphone? Oh. There we go. Good. And do you know what? Last week I had it absolutely off pat, and I've not thought about it since, but oh, I'll okay. give it a go. Good. I'll dig it back up. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God, born over all nations, all things are created for him, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, principalities and powers, councils and authorities, all things are created by him and for him. Amen. Round of applause for Angie. As someone once said, you got all the right notes, 
but not necessarily in the right order. Here we go on the screen. Let's have a look at this. Can we uh, say it out loud together? Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In him, all things in heaven and earth were created, whether visible or invisible, thrones, rulers, authorities, and powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Let's pray. Just pop your hands somewhere near your heart. Father, we thank you for just pieces of writing like that, which take us out of our smallness, and they lift our eyes to who you are. A God vast, supreme, superior to everything, through whom everything was made, for whom everything was made, yet you made yourself small to live like us, to show us how to live. And so, Jesus, we can trust implicitly in you. We thank you for being tempted in every way. Thank you for tasting all the temptations of life and being able to overcome. We ask, Lord, that even today you would help us enter into some of your strength, your spirit, your heart. So will you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to obey. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, what do I need to entice you with to convince you not to live the life God wants for you? What do I need to entice you with to convince you not to live the life God wants for you? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Some people would say, ah, that's what Satan does. That's his job. I would say sometimes we do that to ourselves. Sometimes we allow ourselves to be in situations and circumstances which then come back to bite us. And they entice us into something that convinces us not, not to live the life God has in store for us. And some of that, I believe, has to do with our understanding of behavior. Of what belonging to Jesus and what believing in Jesus should outwork itself like in our lives. And I think the reason why scripture talks so much about behavior, even through the Psalms and the Proverbs that we had read over the last few weeks, why it talks about behavior is it because it knows there's this reciprocal effect. You see, we can understand we belong to Jesus. We can believe in Jesus. The outworking of that should change our behavior. But yet, if we allow our behavior to go along a certain path, there's this feedback loop that keeps coming back and it says, actually, this is pleasurable. This is okay. This is comfortable. Carry on doing this. And so I'm, I'm convinced that a lot of the reason why people like me, people like you, why we sometimes grow cold to the faith, 
leave the faith, leave the community of believers, is not because we've stopped believing in Jesus. It's not because we don't realize we, we don't belong to him. It's because we've trapped ourselves in our own continual behaviors. And once you've done that long enough, it's difficult to get out of that. Thank goodness the Bible writers, they, they knew it was difficult to get out of that. that what we can't escape from scripture is this fact that scripture is full of expectation that your belonging and your belief should result in behavioral change I want to state that right at the beginning of this this talk because there is so much isn't there in the world today in society today about I am who I am Take me or leave me. And I'm never going to change. I am just who I am. This is what I'm like. Right? And that's great. And we learn in week one, Jesus says, come as you are. But he doesn't say, stay as you are. <laughs> and if we truly belong to someone, we give ourselves to someone, and then we believe certain things about that person, then what flows from that is a willingness to become more like them. That's behavior. That's a behavioral change. And we can't escape the fact that your Bibles that you have in front of you right now are full of an expectation that your behavior catches up with your belief and it catches up with your sense of belonging. Even uh, Colossians 1, and we just read a couple of verses from Colossians 1, which Angie recited to us earlier. Uh, before those two verses and after it, it, it says things like this. Live a life worthy of the Lord. Such a small sentence, but it means a lot, right? Live a life worthy of the Lord. I wonder if you could stop yourself in any moment as you go through life, as you go through your week. Stop yourself short in any moment and ask yourself the question, is what I'm doing right now living worthy of the Lord? I mean, I wouldn't want you to be in my head during the week, right? I'm being honest with you. There's some dark stuff going on up here. I mean, some stuff that I wouldn't want you to, to say. Does he really think? Did he just think that then? How about you? Would you want me to live in your head? And sometimes we, uh, it's a good thing, not that we might beat ourselves up, but just to catch ourselves and say, Jesus, is, is this pattern I've allowed myself to buy into, is it worthy of you? And if it isn't, then it's not like God comes down with a big stick. He draws us. He says, okay, come as you are. Now let's do something with this. And that's what discipleship is all about it's not just about moving from darkness to light in our hearts it's about moving from darkness to light in our acts right being saved following Jesus and I talked about this last week is a divine exchange between death to life and darkness to light and hopelessness to hope and all those kinds of things. But it's not just that it happens in this kind of fuzzy area of our being, our soul, our heart. We move from those things in our behavior too. 
And that's the more difficult thing for us to handle. So this week, although you might think, oh, he's going to talk about behavior. Actually, this really is where the rubber hits the road. Our behavior is the practical outworking of what's gone on inside with our belief and our belonging. How do people know who I belong to? How do they know what I believe? They can only do one thing. They watch how I behave. Right? You heard about the the pastor who noticed a congregant come in one Sunday morning and the congregant came in really angry. That's me being really angry. Like that. Like that, right? And he noticed the congregant come in and sit down and just be really angry. And then, you know, the congregant was really angry during the worship and during the praying and during the video notice. And then halfway through the preach, the the pastor noticed the congregant, he just calmed down. It's like a a soothing came over him, a smile came on his face. And so the pastor grabbed him at the end, at the door. He said, what was going on there? You came in really angry. And then halfway through the preach, you, um, you calmed down. The congregant said, yeah, well, just this morning, I realized someone had stolen my wallet. I couldn't find my wallet. And I was really cross because that th- kind of thing really gets me mad. And I came in, I just wasn't in the mood, didn't want to talk to anyone. So I just slammed myself down. I was really angry. And then, and then you started preaching. You were working through the Ten Commandments. And you got to the one about do not commit adultery. And I realized where I'd left my wallet. <laughs> you see, we all have this gap. We all have this gap between what we believe and how we behave, right? See, we chuckle, but that's a real thing right? In fact, it's a good thing to learn the Ten Commandments, by the way. I mean, if there are some basic rules about Christian behavior, start with the list of ten, okay? And that's number six. But there's this gap in between all of us about what we believe and how we behave. And as we walk in our faith journey, it's our job to shrink that gap. To make sure that what we believe matches what we behave. One day, one glorious day, when Jesus rules the earth, then that gap will be like that. Until then, we live with this tension of wrestling with our, our selfish hearts and selfish spirits and our belief and who we belong to and narrowing it, narrowing it, that gap. And we must do that for the sake of glorifying Jesus. We're called to close the gap. First Peter, the epistle of Peter, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. might come on the screen. I'm not sure. It says this. I urge you to abstain from sinful desires. What, he, what does Peter urge us to do? Abstain from sinful desires. He does. What do they do? They wage war on your soul. What do sinful desires do? It's interesting when you read... All through the Bible, sometimes sin and sinful desires are almost anthropomorphic. They're, they're almost like given a, um, a personality. It's like sin can wage a war on you. Have you ever thought of it like that? Sin, you enter into sin and then it wages a war on you. And that's why there's this feedback loop sometimes in that we get 
trapped. Mark Button a few weeks ago preached a wonderful message uh, all about that Christ conquered the power of sin and death. He didn't take away all sins. Still exist. But he conquered the power of sin and death. And we can still get trapped in this feedback loop of sin. So Peter writes, I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which wage war on your soul. Live such good lives among people that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they see your good deeds and glorify God. Isn't that amazing? Abstain from sinful desires. Why? Because they wage war on you. Right? So what should we do? Well, we should try, try our best to live good lives in front of people. Why? For the sake of it? No, because this is what you believe and this is who you belong to. Right? So that's why we should live good lives. And what is the ultimate result of that? Well, Peter says the ultimate result is that... that People will be confused. They want to accuse you because they don't like you very much because you stand for stuff. But in the essence of them accusing you, in the midst of that, they can't help but notice why you are living this way. And it will end in glory for God. That's a real challenge for us to wrap our heads around. But there's always a why. But it needs discipline, doesn't it? Is anyone jealous of their online self? I caught myself the other week. I was going through my social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that kind of thing. And I thought, I quite like this guy. It was me, right? It was just me online. I thought, this guy's got a really good life. Everything's going really well. Look where he's been on holiday. Oh, that was a pleasant holiday. That was lovely. Oh, look what he thinks about this. He, just, he only thinks nice things, Right? Oh, he's always bigging up that person. Oh, look, he's giving them a little wave. Great. Oh, look, look what he likes. Look what he looks. Oh, he loves that. Oh, that's great. That's some, sometimes I look at it and I'm really jealous of my own online self because my real life is nothing like that. I'm pretty messed up, right? There's a lot of shadiness in here that needs sorting out. There's a lot of thoughts I have. There's a lot of things I would love to do that are in line with Jesus. But you look at me online and I've got it all together, let me tell you. Okay? How about you? And, and that is something that we like to project, don't we? That actually we, we're doing this walk okay, yet inside I'm doing this walk with a big limp. Russ Westfield is trying to follow Jesus with a big limp. I'm always, there's always something. Come on, Russ, catch up. Catch up. I know you like that, but come on, Jesus would expect this. So I'm, I'm going to come to four things that I think will help us understand something about behavior. But I want to make this statement first so that no one gets this wrong. We behave because we've received grace. We don't behave because we're trying to be better than anyone or just that we're trying to improve ourselves. We certainly don't behave because we're trying to earn brownie points with God, right? We don't want to go there at all. We behave because we've already received grace. I mentioned the Ten Commandments earlier. We're not going to go through the Ten Commandments. Some of you will be relieved. We're not going to go through the Ten Commandments. But... Notice this. When did the Ten, ten Commandments come? 
that came after Israel had been saved. Right? Israel were captive in the land of Egypt. And God came and saved them. And took them out from among Pharaoh. He, uh, he dealt with their enemies. He took them across the Red Sea. And now they were safe. You get that? They were saved. And then God comes and he says, now you're saved. Now you have received grace. This is how grace-filled people should live. When Jesus was giving his, his big sermon, which he probably repeated over and over again in different places, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, he, he would often start with this wonderful poetic bit, which we call the Be- Beatitudes. And um, some people say it's kind of Jesus' manifesto. Some people say it was, it's kind of what the kingdom smells like when Jesus is in charge. And I agree with that. And it starts off with these, you know, these wonderful things which only come true if our behavior is changed, right? Read the Sermon on the Mount and think, wow, that, that isn't true in my life yet. No, it isn't supposed to be true in your life yet. But it's something that we are supposed to be moving towards. Jesus says you're already saved. You've already received grace. The outcome of that is that your behavior should change. Anyone not like the idea that because we belong and because we believe that our behavior's got to change? I don't always like it. I just think, Jesus, can't I just, I mean, you said come as you are, um, and I was good enough for you then. Can't I just stay like that? I mean, that would be much easier, right? But that's not Jesus' vision of the world. His redemption plan, his rescue plan, his, his desire to bring out light and goodness and hope out of all creation. Us first, to bring it out of us and say, this is what people look like, behave like. This is what they speak like. This is what they talk like. This is what they walk like when they follow me. So how do we progress? I'm going to suggest that there is something about behavior that involves uh, turning, it involves a trajectory, it involves terminology, would you believe, and it involves where we tread, four T's, okay? Turning, trajectory, terminology, tread. Let's get through these nice and fast. First of all, behavior has something to do with turning, We cannot escape this fact, folks. The word repent is in Scripture. It's one of the most fundamental things that people are called to do once they've confessed their belief in Jesus and once they say they belong to him. People are called to repent. It sounds like a really old-fashioned word. It means to turn... Because you're rejecting your own selfish path. I reject my own selfish path and I turn towards Jesus. Right? I reject my own selfish path and I turn towards Jesus. And in this day and age, we have it relatively easy to do that. You know, when, when scripture was written in the New Testament, if you were a Jew or a Roman or a Greek 
and you'd been worshipping the deities that you were called to worship. And then all of a sudden you said, I believe in Jesus, the Son of God, and I belong to him. If you confess that, then you were ostracized from all other parts of life. Wow. How difficult was it for them to turn, to leave their own selfish way and turn towards Jesus? Most of us don't have that situation. But we need to understand that our behavioral change starts with a turning. Imagine yourself, you're sinking in quicksand, right? Used to be in all the movies in the 90s. It's not in any movies now, right? There was always someone who sank in quicksand, okay? Always someone. And you shout, and and you help. And Jesus comes to the shore, right? And he throws you something and you you turn towards Jesus and he pulls you out. It's a repenting. We reject our selfish paths and repent. Peter preached his very first sermon as a follower of Jesus. We think it was his first sermon anyway. Acts chapter 2. And right at the end of it, after laying out all the story of Jesus and the Messiah and the promised one, he says, repent and be baptized. Turn away from what you're doing. The way you're facing now, stop facing that way. Face towards Jesus and be baptized. Let me tell you, we have got no chance of having our behavior redeemed if we're still facing away from Jesus. Point one. Point two, something to do with trajectory. We preached on this a few months ago that in this Church, we like to say that we are more about our compass than we are about our clock. If Jesus is true north, then it's our job to walk true north towards Jesus, right? And it doesn't matter how fast you do it. It really doesn't. I've got a limp, right? I'm not going very fast. Some of you will just run towards Jesus free as a bird. And that's absolutely fantastic. There are some of us who are so embedded in our, in our lives that we, we struggle and we walk slow. But here's the thing about trajectory. Let's say that Dan Harmon right at the back who's sort of in the production team. Let's pretend Dan is Jesus. Okay, we're only doing it for this few minutes. Don't worry, Dan. Okay, let's pretend he's Jesus. And I've approached Jesus from here. I've had these issues in my life. Say I've had a, a bad experience of... Of, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, some kind of abusive relationship in my past, which has bred certain behaviors in me. Say I'm a liar, I have a problem with lying, say I have issues with other things. And then there's someone over here who doesn't have any of those issues, but they come from, say, an addictive background. And they're dealing with certain issues in their life, which has left a limp on their personality. And then there's someone else who has neither of those issues, but their life has steered them from this direction. Have I got to live according to that person? No. Have I got to live according to that person? No. Can this person go, hey, you're not, you're not moving fast enough? No. Can that person say to this person, hey, you should, you should have conquered the stuff I've conquered already? No. What about this person over here? Can they look at these two people and say, I'm further ahead than, than you are. You should have dealt with that habit by now. And you, you, you should have dealt with that habit by now. Is that what this is about? No, here's the point. I'm heading towards that way. 
this person is heading towards that way, right? And this person is heading that way. And we all end up at Jesus. And along the way, we are being redeemed. Along the way, we are being reconciled. We're being cleaned up. Our behavior is changing. But we're dealing with different stuff all the time. Our trajectory really matters. And I want to say in this church, we all bring different stuff from our past. And now and again, our conversations as church, it may be that what sneaks out in conversation is someone says, oh, maybe you could deal with this a bit quicker, or this is a way that you could do And that's okay. You take or you leave advice. Here's the important thing. We should all be willing to ask each other, are you heading towards Jesus? Right? Look, if I'm, if I'm walking towards Jesus and I'm doing it at this speed, then keep encouraging me. Okay? Because I'm going in that direction. If I, if I do this, right, which is what all of us do, okay, if I do this, keep encouraging me because I'm going there, right? If I do this, what are you going to do? You're going to grab me. You're going to pray for me, okay? You're going to give me some advice. You're going to say, what's going on? What's going on? Let's help you. See, our trajectory really matters, and our trajectory affects our behavior. And we should all have this expectation that isn't it great? We're heading towards Jesus together. And yet we all have to deal with different stuff in our lives. And I have, I have no desire to say someone who is dealing with stuff that I've never dealt with to say you should have dealt with that by now. If they're turning around and walking away from Jesus, then it is my job to say, hey, come on, come on, let's try and spin, let's try and spin, let's turn again and let's walk, let's get the trajectory right. This is the most fundamental kind of behavior change. Third thing, terminology. You think, what is terminology doing there? How is that an important thing? I want to suggest to you that terminology is a very important thing. We call out our own sinful behavior. Here's a, here's a pattern, our own, by the way, my own sin. I call out my sinful behavior, right? People close to me can call out my sinful behavior. If my sinful behavior damages people, then anyone can call out my sinful behavior, right? Just do it nicely for a start, like the Bible says, okay? But... Here's the point. We are in a society now that doesn't like the word wrong or sin. It likes the word mistake. Go with me. Okay? Go with me. If I thump someone in the face because I'm angry with them, I ran after them down the street because they'd annoyed me and I thumped them in the face, I don't go, oh, we all make mistakes. All right? But that's the kind of world we live in now, right? Oh, we all make mistakes. That wasn't a mistake. I thumped him in the face. A mistake was I walked too near the edge of that box <laughs> and it ticked over and I nearly landed on my... That's a mistake. That's not a sin. Oh, you get that? And there's enough of those in life, right? Look, 
Our lives are full of mistakes. Let's call mistakes mistakes. Let's call sin sin. Once you start calling sin mistakes, your behavior will not change. Because we accept mistakes. Are, are you with this? So let's, let's be, let's, for our own sake and our journey with Jesus, we call out our own sin before him. You see, if, if, you only, if you only ever do mistakes during the day and you get to your bedside at night, what are you going to confess? Oh Lord, I've done loads of mistakes today. Forgive me for my mistakes. And Jesus is going, I don't need to forgive your mistakes. Mistakes are mistakes. I made mistakes. <gasps> As Russ just said that out loud. I think when Jesus carved his first little, first little wooden toy in his father's carpentry shed, do you think it was perfect? Yeah. <laughs> There's always one. No, Jesus would have made mistakes. He had to learn how to do things, right? He had to learn how to do things. But he didn't sin. And so, look, we all make mistakes. Agreed? We all sin. Agreed? Don't call sin mistakes. It's not going to help me. It's not going to help you in your walk with Jesus. We bring, we bring it before him. The truth is our consciences do arrive a little late to the party sometimes. And we've sinned. We've done something wrong. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Don't make any idols. Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Have a day off. Dedicate it to something different than what you normally do in life. Honor your father and your mother. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. There's ten. There's ten good starters. Okay? The Ten Commandments. But of course, there are sins come in different shapes and different sizes, right? But if we just call them mistakes, we're not going to get any better at walking like Jesus or walking to Jesus. Here's the fourth thing. Tread. There's something about our behavior that we can progress with and get better in if we understand about where we tread. And I'm going to just say it this way. Let's avoid slippery rocks and shadowy places. The Proverbs where Dawn read from this morning is full of helping people like you and me avoid walking on slippery rocks. But how often do we like to do it? I gave a... Uh, image earlier. Let's swap quicksand for water, all right? Because this has literally happened to me so many times I couldn't believe it, right? I'm in water and I think I can get across there because there are those rocks sticking out and I'm nimble me, <laughs> nimble lithe me who's still 25 inside. I think so I can just hop gracefully like an elf, like Legolas. I can hop gracefully from Rock to rock and get across. The, undoubtedly, the first step, the rock is too slippery. Bang, I'm in the water, right? Bang, I'm in sin. I'm caught now. I'm, I'm wet all over. And you can imagine Jesus, who's at the side. He, he rescued me going, what are you doing back there? Right? What are you doing walking on that? 
Okay? What are you doing walking on slippery rocks? I, I'm here. I'm a, I'm a lamp for your feet and a light to your path. Follow, follow me. What are you doing walking on slippery rocks? And yet we like to do it. And there is something even in the Christian will for people like us, people who've been in church for ages. We're thinking, I'm strong enough in Jesus now. I'm full of enough light and hope and faith. There's that thing there. I'm going to, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to uh, sneak and not pay my taxes. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try, uh, try and not pay my taxes. That's right. I could do with a little bit extra in the pocket. Who cares about the welfare state anyway and people benefiting from the big tax? But I'm just going to try and not do this. And so we walk on slippery rocks. You walk on slippery rocks long enough and you fall in. And then we need Jesus, don't we? And of course, there are so many things we could think of. And I want to encourage you to notice when you're walking on slippery rocks. Here's something I've learned in life. Don't mistake God's patience for his approval. This is a big thing. Don't mistake God's patience for his approval. Look, I've been, I've been hopping from slippery rock to slippery rock and God hasn't struck me down yet. The pastor's not called me into the vestry to have a word. No one's told me I'm wrong. I've just been, I'm hopping from slippery rock to slippery rock. Just shady practices. They're not really bad. They're just... You know, and God's, everything's going all right. I'm still a friend or a partner. I'm still in a small group. I'm still in a a team and, and I'm singing the songs and nothing's happening. This must be okay. Never mistake God's patience for his approval. God calls us and says, because you belong, because you believe the outcome of that is your behavior should change. Now let's work on it. Don't tread on slippery rocks. Don't operate in the shadows, in those shadowy places. See the light. Was it John, the Apostle John, always talking about this? Walk in the light as he is in the light. And then we can have fellowship, one with another. When the world was zagging, Jesus came along and zigged, right? And that's what he calls us to do. To do exactly the same. So if we don't understand something about turning and trajectory and terminology and and tread, uh, basically we go through life like this, but worse. It's very difficult to steer your car like this. Very difficult to change your gear. Very difficult to react to situations and when we change our behavior and let it catch up with our belief and our sense of belonging it's simply like it's simply like the pringle can being taken off that's what it's like it's like Jesus I'm free now I'm free I'm living in the light I've allowed what I believe inside, I've allowed who I belong to, to emanate through my behavior. I wonder if we could just stand. I'm going to stand just to play some music there at the, at the back. Just close your eyes where you are. Believers, we behave better 
because we've received grace. We don't behave better because we'll get more favor from God. We don't behave better because we'll look better in the eyes of other people. We behave because we've received grace. It's a, it should be a consequence of what we truly believe. So let me urge people where we're all at, different stages in life, different stages in faith. Have you turned? Have you turned? You turned away from your selfish, self-centered ways and turned your face towards Jesus. That's repentance. Have you turned? Just ask yourself that now in your heart. And if you're unsure, then make a decision right now. Jesus. Jesus, I thought I believed. Jesus, I thought I belonged. But my, my behavior is showing something else. I turn towards you. What about your trajectory? Are you moving further into Jesus? Doesn't matter how slow, doesn't matter how fast. Doesn't matter what baggage you've got. Doesn't matter whether that baggage is different from someone else's baggage. The big question is this. Are you heading towards Jesus? What about the terminology that you use in your internal dialogue? Life is full of enough mistakes. But let's not call our sinfulness mistakes. Let's call it what it is. And we bring it to the Savior. And we say, Jesus, forgive me. Wash me clean. Make me new. Pick me up. Lead me on. And finally, believers, don't give yourself permission to walk on slippery rocks. Stay away. One person's slippery rock might not be another person's slippery rock. But you know that they're slippery rocks. You know that they are shady places for you. Stay clear. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep following him. Allow your conscience to be renewed. Father God, we thank you because you speak to us through scripture that was written so long ago to people who were living different kinds of lives in different circumstances yet the important things are still the same we all have the same tendencies we all have the same traps we fall into we all have the same temptations and we stand before you now as a group of people who want to do our best to follow you Lord Thank you for accepting us. Thank you that we belong to you. 
Thank you, Lord, that even our small amount of belief is enough to set us on a path of fellowship for you. And now, Lord, we ask, will you redeem and consecrate and sanctify our behavior? May the words of our mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.